In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. And this is Rob Hessler with Gretchen Hilmers, the silent one. I was trying to think of something witty, and it's just, I'm too tired. I mean, you know, I guess for listeners, uh, if you all have a video baby monitor, any baby monitor, really, don't let your child rip the antenna off of it. <laughs> it's, it makes for some really late nights while you're waiting for the replacement to come in. Yeah, it definitely failed at saving throw versus baby <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure everything fails at saving throw versus baby. Uh, this is episode four of RPGs and Baby Makes Three, and we've got a really great episode. Actually, we're going to be debuting a new segment in the common room here with our first guest on the show that we've had, Amanda Plagman, and she's going to be talking about organized play. And we're going to have a couple of other segments. And too. you heard that right, folks. Plagman. Yeah, that's actually her last name. Plagman. I mean, how awesome a name is that, by for the 2020. way? Yeah, I know. Oof. Well, this is broadcasting in February of 2021. Yeah, okay, well, I'm. it's still going to be fitting for 2021, too. For yeah. a while, at least. For a while. Let's get, let's roll for initiative. <laughs> they see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Roll for initiative. All right, let's get into our week in gaming here. Now, Gretchen, we are going to talk about a lot. We've done a lot of role playing in since our last episode, mm -hmm. but you've had a bit of an epiphany. I wouldn't say I've had an epiphany. I, maybe I'm I'm digging my heels in even more so. What does that mean? Well, you know. Dice cannot be lucky or unlucky. They are just <laughs> weighted improperly. Because I don't see how it is statistically possible to roll as many nines as I did on Saturday night. I just, there's, there's no, there, you, it's just, there's something wrong with that dice. It's very, very improbable that that would happen, that you would roll that many nines. But whether it's weighted or cursed, whether you decide that you want to believe that or not, you now know why you have dice jails. That's true. But the problem is, is 
I can't remember which one of my D20s it was, so I'm just going to have to keep rolling and finding out until I remember, oh yeah, this is the jerk. What's weird, though, is like a 9 isn't like a terrible roll on a D20. Like, if you're trying to roll high, it's right in, it's basically almost right in the middle. And if you're trying to roll low, it's kind of right in the middle. So it's like, it's... It's so, it's like the meh die. It, it's the meh die. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the assistant manager die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh well. I like that. That's, that's, that's good. That's yeah. pretty funny. So, yeah, and I have a dice jail that you got for me, and we actually kind of have two because the first one that we ordered, it broke in shipping, and so we were sent yeah, a second one. Yeah, but the maker is awesome who was the one who did this die mcpherson minis yeah love this dice jail it's and awesome he has several other ones that are like little little figurines where you can kind of put it in their brain slot i don't <laughs> know yeah so this is a it looks like a gelatinous cube so it's yeah. like a cube with like a, a you know like some pieces of treasure and a, and a sword sticking out of it and everything mm -hmm. and at the top there's a space that's shaped like a d20 so you can put it in the dice jail it looks like it's kind of sticking out of the and he even gives you a free d20 yep it, it comes with a d20 as well painted, so. unpainted we'll have to put up some photos on the facebook so you can take a look at it maybe one day we'll be able to uh have him on the show and God, talk to him i would him love about to talk stuff. to him about it. yeah i love i love his stuff and and he was very gracious too about it broke in the mail he's just sent us another one no big deal great customer service there so mm -hmm. so that was awesome well let's talk about our week in gaming because we've had a lot we've done a, there were some things. Yeah, we had a session of Ravenloft since the last time that we talked. We had a couple of sessions of my Dragonlands AD&D 2nd Edition game. And, and Supernatural. We played a session of the Supernatural RPG uh, and actually re-recorded it. So we're going to be putting that as an actual play podcast here on the... Did I say anything stupid during the game? Because if everybody's yes. going to hear me during... Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we did a review well. in the last episode of the Supernatural RPG. It's one of our favorites, um, so it's uh, it was great to finally get back to playing. And it was, it's crazy because it had been almost a year since we had played, or it had been a year since we had last played, and everybody fell right back into their characters. And it was so funny how the personalities, just everybody was like right back in there. So I'm I'm looking forward to sharing that with our listeners because um, it. It's it's a show of of a good group and good role playing. Like if you get that perfect blend of people, and how that it can just really it's magic. It's magic when everybody's working together like that. Yeah, I'm really excited about part two. Yeah, so it's supposed to be one off, but then they didn't quite get far enough along. I was I was uh, GMing the game, didn't get quite far enough along to finish it. And during the first session, I noticed and took some, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I'm very much into improv and following the suggestions that the players inadvertently give me. <laughs> and I realized I could extend Watch it into a say, second folks. part. <laughs> Watch what you say. So that was a lot of fun. And the Supernatural RPG, you can catch our review. I believe it was in episode three. And it uses the Cortex system. It was released by Margaret Weiss Productions. And um, so it's a really great system. A Cortex system is also used in the Serenity role-playing game. And then the Firefly game uses the 
Cortex 2 or Cortex Pro or something, I don't know, upgraded Cortex system, um, which is a really nice and very simple to use system. We fell right back into the rules. Like, it was almost like we didn't even have to think about the rules. It was very easy. Like we Yeah, all... but my issues with short-term memory, you know, I just... I feel like I have to keep asking, wait, which one was that again? <laughs> <laughs> it was fine, though. It was a really fun game. And, of course, the AD&D 2nd Edition game I'm running, Dragonlance game, continues, and we... Still doing Castle Amber. Still moving along through Castle Amber, and... Something really cool is that since the last time we played, I ended up picking up a copy of Goodman Games' redo of Castle Amber for 5th edition. And if you're not aware of this, folks, Goodman Games has done several of these kind of revisits of these classic Dungeons & Dragons modules for 5th edition and greatly expanded upon them. For example, the original castle amber adventure module was 32 pages the goodman games version is like 260 pages you could hit somebody in the head with that thing and it is awesome i mean i i the art is amazing it's a hardcover book it has like a bookmark ribbon bookmark attached to it it's got images of all of the NPCs. It adds new locations. It greatly expands the mansion. I mean, it is just. You were really excited when you got it. Oh my god! And I'm. I've. I mean, you've seen me. I've been reading it a bunch. I. I really. Even though I'm. I'm running it for. So it's originally a original edition Dungeons and Dragons, a basic edition Dungeons and Dragons adventure module. I'm running it for second edition, and this is a fifth edition version, which I'm doing some conversion. Mostly, I'm kind of snatching up the extra rp role-playing elements that it has in it but it is just a terrific terrific book and and they've done a bunch of them and from what i hear they're all really really good and now i'm, I'm really excited to explore them I, I think they're doing like a tomb of horrors one or something like that coming up soon or oh you know what actually it's the um temple of elemental evil they're doing a a revamp for fifth edition and that's one of the most classic sort of adventure modules but it's a little bit flawed, so I'm kind of excited to see what Goodman Games does with it to maybe even enhance uh, what the original was. So really exciting, kind of another RPG, I don't know, thing. Any other RPG stuff that you've kind of got going on that you've been investigating here over there? I'm still working on planning my uh, Supernatural game. Yeah. How yeah. Have you just been thinking about it huh, in your head? I know you got everybody's... Some things from Not each player. Not everybody yet, but I'm I'm gonna work on getting some more. But yeah, I've been plotting. Uh, it should be fun. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of really great stuff for good old Mitch. Oh, Mitch Robbins, that's my character. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I am excited about seeing what you come up with. That's so cool. Yeah, you know, it's fun because a lot of the things I kind of enjoy is just using my imagination and like thinking about those kind of things and sometimes that just the gears turning about what a game might be is some of the most fun part of like planning a new game it's like ooh, what could happen so yeah. that's really interesting uh, last thing is you know I just finished up rereading the Dragonlance Legends trilogy I just finished it last night actually really right in the middle of the night I finished it um that second trilogy by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman for the that kind of follows the path of Caramon and Raislin and Raislin's quest to defeat Takesis, the Dark Queen, 
in the Dragonlance setting, and it was uh, it ended really well. And it's so funny because I know I've read these books before, but it's been so long that it was like all new to me. Well, I mean, so, it wasn't college in between when you read true. these? True. Good point. <laughs> yes, college burned all that away. Um, and then, of course, now we've got some new books coming by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, a new trilogy. So I'm like totally, I'm going to read all of their books now, like all of the, the Dragonlance books. I got to get refreshed on all of them, and it kind of makes me excited about that. So good stuff. Well, why don't we get into the meat of the show? The beef of the show? Is that going to be a thing? Let's get I into hope the not, beef. But maybe the beef of the show. <laughs> Gross. What's the vegetarian equivalent? I don't know. That? We're like mostly vegetarians. So like, <laughs> we don't eat beef. I don't even understand the what... protein of the show. <laughs> the vegetable protein of the show coming right up here. <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> workshop that. I kind of feel like we're failing our proficiency check on renaming the <laughs> the meat of the show. All right, well, let's just get into it here. Hey, 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 what's going on? We look at the person through the peephole. You talking to me crazy? Maybe if I get lucky, we get a little action adventure of our own going. You know what I mean? Proficiency check. I think that I have succeeded on my proficiency check for GM Mind Games. You really have. <laughs> you are really good at it. And in fact, most of the time, I think nobody knows which... Okay, so you, you do two things. One is you're completely obvious that you know, you're know you checking something and it, you, you might not be doing anything. It might not affect a single thing. And then all of a sudden, we'll come to find out that at some point you ask someone to roll and it decided what kind of monster tore us a new one 20 minutes later and you know i don't know you have this cackle too <laughs> i do have a cackle i mean gm mind games are a really important part of running a game i think so how do we define gm mind games like other than what they actually are what is a gm mind game to you as a player when because you haven't done any gming what do you see, like, how would you define a GM mind game as a player? Okay, so one thing, body language. You will sometimes reach up and touch your chin. <laughs> and you do this thing where you're like, okay. And now that could usually mean something really bad or nothing at all. You just don't know. And it kind of creates this anxiety. Now, I am an anxiety-prone person. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm not. I'm laughing with you. Uh, so, you know, it's it just, it, it really kind of brings a little extra touch to the game because if you did this all straight-faced, I just don't know... I don't know, it kind of just keeps things fresh and moving, which I really like. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of look at it as... It keeps the players guessing and it breaks up the ability of gamers to metagame. Now, we have a great group of players in our group. And for the most part, the groups we play in, metagaming isn't too much of a problem. But I think it's hard to always like play your character and not even inadvertently scoop up a little bit of information that your character doesn't know and put it into play. I mean, like, if you search for traps, for example, and you say, oh, I rolled my traps check, and I 
succeeded, but I didn't find a trap, then therefore there is no trap, right? So, like, you can't help your character. You you and your character both think that there's no trap, right? And now, yeah, you yeah, know, you could make the argument, oh, well, the DM should be rolling for traps. Fine. That's also a possibility, but I don't want to have that on my plate yeah, as a DM. Yeah, but sometimes you do, and then you're like, well, you don't find any traps. No, no, no. I don't say that. I say, no, you didn't find the trap. You see the subtle difference there? <laughs> now, that's a GM mind game. Because, see, what it does is it makes it so that way that you do think. You know what I mean? You're like, well, I, I searched for traps. I didn't find any. But that doesn't mean that it's not there, that there isn't something. You know, I am not perfect in my ability to find traps, you know. And so then you're, like, having to make that decision. Like, you're, the whole group will be standing in front of the door. Like, oh, do we want to go through? I don't know. I'm so nervous. And most of the time, there is no trap. But every now and then, there might be something there that you weren't expecting. And your character almost dies. And yet the group keeps sending your character <laughs> in to find the traps. And eventually, your character's like, nope, not doing it. This session is not called player therapy, Gretchen. <laughs> but you know what though i also another thing i like to do is is i like to randomly ask people a one of their statistics and then roll a die behind the the dm screen <laughs> now sometimes i do that because it really means something but sometimes i do that just to keep the players guessing and it's a really good thing because like it makes it can it can really help to create the tension. You know, you're sitting at a table, or let's say now, you know, a lot of the games are happening online. So you're sitting in front of your computer on Zoom. You've got like a pizza. You've got some soda with you. You're no, like you've got your books, the lights are on, and you're walking through this dark corridor that has filled with cobwebs and there's bones on the ground and there's a streak of blood on one of the walls and there's a strange arcane symbol on the door ahead. Well, there's a big difference between what it actually looks like where you're sitting and what it actually looks like in the game. So like to keep the tension going, sometimes you really have to use GM mind games so that way that people kind of are drawn back into the fear or the tension of a circumstance. I'm always afraid for my character. <laughs> but, I mean, that's good, though. I mean, well... Is it, Rob? Is it? But that's... See, that's... I don't know. Maybe that's not good, though. Because, like, Tick Tick is fearless. Tick Tick is fearless, but Gretchen is fearful. Because, A, it took <laughs> me... It takes me forever to build a character, first of all. Secondly, I love little Tick Tick. I am emotionally attached to him. And, you know, that is a really dangerous thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're 34 sessions into the Dragonlance campaign that I'm running. And so, you know, once you kind of have a character go for that long and, and Tick Tick's approaching like seventh level now, I mean, that's a that's a middle level character that has survived a number of adventures and has done a lot. And, you know, you don't want to lose that character. But those GM mind games, I think they really do kind of help to foster that kind of paranoia and tension and and like you know what there are consequences to what happens in the game you know what's so funny about that tick tick has had the unfortunate bad luck of getting turned to stone once but nobody's actually died in the game and yet i can see the tension in the group as we play the game that there is that worry that concern that actual fear of oh man something bad could possibly happen here even though nobody has actually died. And that is a little bit because of the GM mind games. And also how the dice roll. 
GM mind games and scary dice rolls. <laughs> I'm interested to hear what other people might have had as far as their own GM mind games. Like, what kind of mind games do you all out there play on your players? Or, I don't know, maybe there's player mind games. Are there player mind games? Or oh. Do players mess with GMs and as you're playing and... And, and sort of set them up to try to do something? I wonder. It's not adversarial. We're not having an adversarial relationship. It's mm -hmm. all fun. But I wonder, are there player mind games? I wonder. Let us know. We'd love Let to us hear know. from you. Let us know, yeah. Email us at RPGs and Baby Makes 3. We want to hear all about your GM mind games, DM mind games, and player mind games. Ooh. There, welcome to the common room. Sit anywhere you like. Okay, welcome into the common room. We have today with us Amanda Plagman, and we're going to be talking with. Well, first of all, I should just say Amanda's and I have been gaming together for uh, seven, eight, nine years now, maybe like somewhere that. in that range. And, uh, and actually, we, we started in, in uh, a game that I was running that we met through an online group of sort of gaming enthusiasts and, and found the game and then proceeded to promptly leave that group, actually. But... Um, wait, wait a second. What, what's the story there? Why did you leave the group? <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if we want to get into the weeds here. We're, we're, oh, we're talking to Amanda about uh, organized play today and many other things, but I guess... Get so, in the weeds! Get in the weeds, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so we were part of the Savannah Gaming Hub, which was mm -hmm. a, a meetup group, actually, that Amanda and I met. Oh, okay. Meetup groups. They... Okay. I'll keep going. So we joined this meetup group, Amanda and I and a few other people joined a group that had a, an insane person in it. And we played at the insane person's house for the very first session and he was a, um, he was a drug addict actually. And after the first- Oh, I remember this. Yeah. He came to some other meetup things that we were at. Who did he? And he yeah. walked, yeah, it was very creepy. And we can talk about that. Actually, he came to the other meetup groups. The one I specifically remember where he walked around taking pictures the entire time. And it was very creepy because he wasn't like the professional photographer, but he had a nice camera and he was walking around. To, and this is, okay, all of you out there listening understand how gaming groups <laughs> and meetups and you never know who you're going to meet. So... But Amanda and I met, and we ended up meeting a couple of other great players, Carlos and Mitch. We can get into those. Those two people were pretty good. But we met with this guy. We ended up going to the meeting. We ended up playing at his house the first time, maybe maybe the first two times. I don't know if you remember. He also had, like, his stats were, we were playing D&D, &D and the stats were, like, 18, 18, 17, 17, 16, 15. And I was like, wow, uh, that's pretty amazing that you rolled those rolls. Okay. Very impressive. Very impressive. But anyway, like within the first two sessions, he went off on one guy for leaving food, a bag of food on the counter, and then accused another guy of stealing his medication, which was very powerful painkillers, um, which he was addicted to. Uh, so yes, that is, the, and that's how Amanda and I met. <laughs> and we've been together in some <laughs> twisted way ever since. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, so Amanda and I have actually played in a long-term campaign that I ran, I ran, and then we 
then we also are now, I mean, we're just, it's our gaming group. I mean, we just have a weekly gaming group, whatever game it is, and we've played many different games. And sometimes you've run games and I've run games. But actually, what we wanted to talk to Amanda about first and foremost today is that, um, so you were the head of the Savannah branch of the Pathfinder Society of Savannah, although it was also became the Pathfinder and Starfinder Society of Savannah for, I mean, how long were you doing that? Uh, I did it for about seven years, I think. Yeah, just about seven years. And I, and I went to some of those games and I, and I would play every now and then, usually, but basically once a year. And then on an occasional, uh, I went to a couple of the conventions that you guys were at. But how did you get involved with that? Because you were just looking for a group, right? And then it ended up being like you got really sucked into it. Exactly. I was looking for a group. Uh, I was familiar with D&D 3.5. I'd never actually even played Pathfinder before. Uh, in fact, the one that started with the meetup group, that was my first exposure to Pathfinder ever. And so I was looking for a regular group and... I, sa I found the Pathfinder Society organized play, but there wasn't a branch of it in Savannah. And being the, if you want something done right, do it yourself sort of person, <laughs> I contacted Pathfinder Society, said, okay, look, I've never played Pathfinder before. I've never had any exposure to Pathfinder Society. There isn't any Pathfinder Society here in Savannah, so put me in charge of it and I will make there be Pathfinder Society in Savannah. And foolishly, they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now, describe to people what organized play actually is, because, you know, we're talking about Pathfinder Society, but one of the things I also, you know, this this also goes beyond just Pathfinder, because the D&D mm -hmm. Adventurers League has also become very popular with 5th edition, and right. it's essentially the same basic breakdown. In fact, and there used to even be more of this back in, like, the 80s and such. RPGA. RPGA, yeah. right. So and Living Greyhawk. Living Greyhawk, and yeah, yeah Living, um, what was it, the Living City of Raven's Bluff uh, mm -hmm. for Forgotten Realms also was a, was a yep. city. So, so what is organized play? What does that exactly mean? Well, there are two broad branches of organized play. The ones that we've been discussing are episodic. It's a shared world. So everybody's playing in the same world. Everybody can have as many different characters as they want, though of course they only play one at a time. And you get together as often as you want, and for that matter, as irregularly as you want. And you'll play a brief adventure that's completely encapsulated in a four to five hour session. So you show up on one Friday, you play a complete scenario, great. You miss the next six months, no problem. You can fit yourself right back in when you show back up again, and you're not behind on story because it's all episodic. Well, and I think one of the things that's really cool about it, too, is that, you first of all, you don't even have to have a character. True. That was one of the things is that I had a character concept, and oftentimes I would just show up, and you have these cards that had all of the stats on that were within the level range that the adventure called for. And that's part of the game is you have to have a character that's within the level range of the adventure. And then there are different tiers like core and non-core, which, you know, we can get into the details of that, if, you know, but I don't think that's really critical to the understanding of what it's all about. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of like that because I, I would just like, when I was choosing adventures, like for me, I just wanted to play. 
and I wasn't really bound to a character, so I would be like, I would read the description of something and be like, oh, that sounds fun, and I'm just going to go and do that. And I didn't need to have a character. And oftentimes, I actually did end up playing the same character. I would play my character, Emery Thicketmane, but I would just take the bard that was in that level range. So wait, so if you play that way, does your character ever go up in levels, or do you always stay the same? I mean, how does that work out? You do go up in levels. Pathfinder Society used a very simplified way of doing it, that for every three games that you played, you went up in level. And it doesn't matter if you play three games in a week, or three games in a day, or three games in a year. Every three games, you level. And Pathfinder Society, at the end of every game that you play, you get a sheet that shows that you played that game and it gives you credit for having played it and it gives you a certain amount of money and access to some magic items that sort of thing so it's easy to keep track of well okay i have nine sheets that means that i'm level three <laughs> okay i see mm -hmm. okay yeah and then you kind of customize it by what you purchase and and you right. know, what you have and it keeps everybody sort of balanced so even mm -hmm. people who haven't played together like none of the, I mean, every time I played it, every, everybody felt relatively even, even though I was picking up a, a, a pre-made. I mean, it always, you know, the pre-mades would have a few items and it would sort of be mm -hmm. like, you know, attuned to the, what would people would have picked maybe. Maybe not as good or as optimized, but yeah, pretty much. Exactly. The pre-generated characters were meant to be, among other things, a way to let people experience all the different classes that they might not otherwise have the confidence to make a character on their own for. So, let's face it, some classes are just easier to play than others. And you might not necessarily want to build a wizard from scratch, but if you've got one pre-made and you have a list of exactly what you can do and exactly what you can't do, and even a little explanation of you know, what the stuff that you can do does, that's a lot less intimidating to get into than here's this entire stack of books and now make your character. <laughs> I feel this so much. I feel this so much. Oh my God. I'm going to have to go with a character that doesn't do spells or something next time because, you know, it gets so overwhelming. And, you know, even Pika has spells. But, you know, I don't know. There's just so much. I just need something that smashes stuff up, maybe. <laughs> That's doable. Yeah. I'm going to smash. And, and Scort. Um, yes. So <laughs> That's exactly best why I was, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know. the. I, I was already, at the time that we started playing in your game, and this is kind of behind the scenes here, but Amanda also runs a, a Ravenloft game uh, in the 3.5 to Pathfinder. It's Pathfinder, but 3.5 because Ravenloft is 3.5. So there's some crossover there but um but yeah i uh i was playing in a fifth edition D, &D game and a second edition D, &D, and i'm running a second edition D, D game and i was like i'm not gonna be able to keep all of this straight i'm just gonna play something that cuts things in half and just chops them up and beats them up really bad that's that's easy no matter what you just kill just and i'm just gonna go it, kill and you do it very effectively <laughs> You know, though, what's also kind of interesting, and Gretchen, you're talking about, you know, that the frustration of, of playing a spellcasting character within the longer-term kind of game and trying to figure all of that out and navigate through all the books. But with the Pathfinder Society, at least, and I'm not sure if this is the same with the Adventurers Guild, but I wonder if it is probably for the D&D Adventurers Guild, is that the sheets, the cards that they came with, actually had spells on them. Mm -hmm. They're 
be they tell you what spells the character has you don't even have to think about it and i remember playing one session where i was joining a group and there was a lot of people who already had their their characters that were their special characters they'd run through it was a higher level adventure it was like maybe seven to nine or somewhere in that range and they were like well, we need somebody that can do a little fighting and a little bit of healing so i played a character that was like a fighter priest essentially i just picked the card and yep. it was like oh well here i can be useful and so that was also nice too because you know i didn't know the people at the table as well as they had been playing together and knew each other well but i could immediately come in and be useful and people exactly. love it when you're helping them by healing or standing in the front line or doing stuff that they need and that's a really great way to sort of you know yep. get yourself in a group you know where you just like instantly are helpful and that's another great thing about organized play is that it doesn't always have the same people in it so yeah pathfinder society in savannah had a core group of people that showed up over and over and over again but let's face it this is a college and military town we had people cycling in and out all the time and you'd play with somebody for six months and they'd go do something else and you'd get two more people and one of them would stay and another one would go with elsewhere and every time that you meet somebody new you learn different playing styles you learn well, I would have never thought to do it that way. Oh, well, now I'm going to think about that next time. That's a great point. You know, I um, I played in an organized play game at one of the conventions that came to Savannah. I believe it was GnomeCon, which was pretty yeah. fun. I, I really did enjoy that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that it doesn't exist anymore. But I played in a game and there was a guy who came in and well, people kind of knew him, but he was playing... One of the things he did is he played a character who was essentially, it was a you know, fantasy Pathfinder game. In fact, we were like sort of delving into this like underground temple and, and all this stuff. And he was playing a, his character was basically a pothead. He acted like a pothead in a, like a contemporary pothead. That's how he played the character. Yep. To admit, and I don't know why, before then I had never thought of playing a modern day persona mm -hmm. on top of a fantasy character. I'd always tried to like play a medieval character. Exactly. And then he did that and I was like, and it was, and he was very good. He was a very oh, yeah. good role player. It wasn't a joke. I mean, it was mm -hmm. funny, but it wasn't, he wasn't, he was taking it seriously, but right. he was talking in like, you know, talking like a stoner the whole time. And, and, um, and he played his character well, you know, he, he knew the rules, he knew how to play the game and everything. But it was like, you're right, like I would I would have never thought of that. It never even occurred to me, even though now it's like, oh, okay, but it never occurred to me. And like, so I feel like I learned something by being around a player that I would probably have never played with otherwise. Exactly. I mean, you didn't know him going into it. You may or may not recognize him again if you saw him on the street, but you learned something from him. Well, and I also think about this too, you know, we have in our gaming group, uh, Bianca is in our gaming group and, and you and I have both played with her quite a bit over the, the you know the years here in savannah and one of the things too is like i met bianca through pathfinder society we mm -hmm. would occasionally run into each other a game here a game there over the course of years and i always got along with her mm -hmm. it was like when we played game when we game together and i don't necessarily know bianca all that well as on a personal level although i'm getting to know her better now but mm -hmm it was like we would just enjoy gaming together. And then yep. so when I started a new campaign in this year and I was looking for some fresh faces to maybe get somebody new into the game, into our gaming group, like Bianca came to mind because every now and then 
and I knew that you knew her and so she would kind of mesh with other people already too and it was like you can find people for a more consistent group too that you might you know you get to meet and try you kind of get to try out people in a way and that's the dirty little secret of organized play that so many people come to organized play and they may play for the enjoyment of playing but they're also looking to poach players for their home games <laughs> <laughs> well it's not a bad thing i think that there's a really good place for both of them i mean i'm the kind of person who just likes to have fun gaming with my with, with other like-minded cool people. And so for me, I can play a one-off and have just as much fun as I can play something that I'm on session 20, 30, 40 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's this deep, deep role playing. I mean, I I will admit sometimes my favorite games of all time are like, oh, there was a one-off, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, and that's it, you know? And it's done. So, um, and I had some great times with the uh, with the Pathfinder Society as well. and. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a, let me ask you maybe, and maybe, I don't know if you know this, I mean, we're hopefully looking at, at getting out of COVID here soon, you know, where <laughs> the, the vaccines are coming and all of that at this point. But uh, one thing I kind of noticed, and I know that you've mentioned before, I've, you know, just I've seen you on social media mentioned it before, is that there are, you know, it's a lot of stuff has had to move online. Are you from, are you aware if these organized play groups, what are your kind of awareness of the organized play groups and their online kind of methods and things? Yes. Well, Pathfinder Society has pretty much always had a significant online component. There are entire conventions that are held entirely online that'll be usually quarterly, but some of the smaller ones even occur monthly. And uh, if you're from, well, I know that you're familiar with the Roll20 app. Uh, some other groups use Fantasy Grounds, mm -hmm. um, but they use the more robust versions of it. Whereas with your Dragonlance game, you just basically show us the map. For Pathfinder Society, they'll use the entire suite of software everybody will load up their tokens and enter in their character sheets and it's exactly what it seems to be it's a virtual tabletop uh it depends on having a good internet connection of course but i think most folks would agree that in person is best but if mm -hmm. you're i mean you've got covid you've got scheduling conflicts even for that matter if you're just not in a place that has a large gaming community online it might be your only option and there's a huge online organized play component. You can actually get all of the same interactions and benefits uh, from online that you can from the face-to-face from -face role play. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good to know. I mean, I'm not even totally familiar with that, but I have kind of mentioned to Gretchen is that, you know, maybe every now and then we should try and play a game that we can play together and play a one-off, you know, if we were just mm -hmm. feeling like we just want to do something, you know, because that's the thing I loved about that is that there was that if I'm going to commit to a game, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to commit to it. Like, your Ravenloft right. game, I'm committed. As long as you're running it, I'm not going, you know, we're going to, and Gretchen and I both, you know, so it's like we're okay. going to play the game. You know, mm -hmm. we're committed. Like, I don't even play session one if I'm not conceivably going to play it mm -hmm. for some time into the future and until it ends or, I mean, of course, you never know. You play a game, maybe the first two sessions, you're like, this is just not for me, and then you leave. Okay. But... But assuming that that's not, and that's obviously not the case. We've now played long enough that that's not the case. <laughs> but, you know, with, with something like that, like I, I, I am committed. So what's great about this is that there is implied lack of commitment. You mm -hmm. know, it is just like you can play once every now and then. And I right. think for a lot of parents, it's a really good option. I mean, really it is because it's like, like you said, like 
and and the time you know for example right now we're we're talking and it's in the evening here and and as you mentioned there we have to wait for our son to go to bed if we're going to play a game right but time zones there's yeah. you, we're playing all over the world so a game can start at virtually any time and they do four hours a day and they do i mean mm -hmm. i know this too because i do online gaming as well and like right. it could be any time so yeah the online conventions run games 24 7 throughout the length of the convention yeah that's so that's so cool yeah well look that we appreciate all of the information on on organized play now are you still i mean i know that there was some of a, a bit of a i don't know a schism when pathfinder <laughs> 2 or what is it second edition Pathfinder second edition. came out mm -hmm. um i know some people have embraced it but many more have not embraced it where are you now with the organized play and what are your thoughts about it I still absolutely support organized play. I think that it's a wonderful contribution to the community. It's something that allows for people to have easy entry into the community that they otherwise may never have. Second edition is not something that I particularly enjoy. And because Pathfinder Society is geared primarily towards second edition, I've resigned my leadership position within uh, the community. But uh, there are still conventions that offer first edition play or Starfinder, and I'll still participate in that just as much as I ever have. Starfinder Society, yes, yeah. I'm actually interested <laughs> in that, but we won't get into that today. Well, I'd like to make one other point, though, about yeah, organized sure. play. Mm -hmm. In the same way that organized play gives new players and a low barrier to entry, easy access thing, it also gives brand new GMs the same thing. The scenarios are for the most part, beautifully written. Everything is spelled out very carefully. You can pick up a scenario, read over it, and run it with very little difficulty. And I'm gonna go ahead and challenge Gretchen. Gretchen, it's time for you to have your first GMing experience, young lady. Well, I, I'm working on it. I actually have a supernatural game that I'm, I'm, I have uh, uh, an idea that I've come up with and I just need to flesh it out some. I think it's gonna be kind of funny because I'm hilarious yes you are <laughs> well it is yes, I know it's my time it is, is beyond my time I will do it well and you know I think it's true too is that you know and and I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think and we Gretchen and I we recorded a very sh a shorter kind of one-off little recording when we were on a drive recently or a long drive for a trip and and we talked about Gretchen's fears about the taking that leap of becoming a dungeon master or game master for a game or whatever and i think you know one of the things is is that it is kind of intimidating mm -hmm. to feel like you got to know all the rules you got to do you know got to have all this stuff and so it's nice to hear that there is that kind of simplicity as far as that goes because really what you want to do is get all that out of the way so that way you can exactly. just use your imagination and mm -hmm. make an interesting game and gretchen has no shortage of I'm imagination. Not, I, I don't thank you but i do have a i have no shortage of fear of numbers either <laughs> well, but that's the nice thing though with the scenarios all the numbers are written down for you so i mean you simply tell people okay roll dice and it's written into the scenario if they roll above x number they succeed Done. That is quite nice. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Because you, you both have played with me for a while now, and 
I'm sure you both have seen that look of horror on my face when I have to figure out what number hits where or what this or Thacko and all of a sudden I'm just <gasps> What? Math isn't my friend either, but I've still been GMing forever in a week at this point. <laughs> we believe in you, Gretchen. We believe in you. Yes. All right, folks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. into the bag of holding and pull out our favorite characters ever. Now, before we even get into this, I just want to say out there to you listeners, we would love to hear about your favorite characters ever. Please email us at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com and we would love to hear about your favorite characters. Now, before we started recording this particular segment, Gretchen, you were absolutely struggling to figure out what your favorite character ever is. I know, it's tough. I know, I have three that I just really enjoy. Well, let's talk, we can talk about more than one character, but I'll, I'll go ahead and start here. And this is a tough choice, but I'm gonna choose one character that I think is my favorite character ever because he's just so damn much fun to play. Emery Thicketmane. <laughs> Emery Thicketmane is a halfling bard, and I have played him in many, many incarnations. In fact, the very first game that you and I ever played together in, this was 25 years ago, I had been playing Emery Thicketmane. Now, Emery is very childlike. He is, and again, he's a halfling. He is the kind of person that wants everybody to get along and have a good time and enjoy life together and be friends and he is just so fun and lighthearted and enjoyable to play. He's definitely a support character. Played him in Dungeons & Dragons in 2nd Edition. I've played him in the Pathfinder Society. I've played him in 5th Edition, in fact. I've remade the character every now and then when I feel like just playing something lighthearted and fun, I'll break out Emery Thicketmane. He's called Thicketmane because his hair is always a tangled thicket mess on the top of his head. And he is really good at making friends with people. That's kind of his thing. He's definitely a charisma-based character, one that is meant to kind of talk with people. And when I'm playing him, I always kind of try to invoke that childhood wonder in myself. So I, you know, I'm just, I want to play and have fun. And I kind of raise my voice a little bit. And I talk a little bit more like this. And I'm like, hey guys, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Oh, I want to go into the adventure. Let's go and explore the dungeon. That'll be a lot of fun. Kind of inspired in a way by Kender Tasselhoff Burfoot from the Dragonlance books, even though he is a halfling and not a Kender. There's some of that childhood wonder, but it's, I love pulling out Emery because every time it just, I can't help but be in a good mood when I'm playing, when I'm playing Emery Thicketmane. He does not have angst. He's not a shoegazer. He doesn't have internal conflicts. He just loves life and wants to explore life and hang out with his friends and go on adventures. That sounds great. Yeah. It's so lighthearted. It is. It's so fun. It's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, so for me, um... 
you know, when I when I role play, I tend to do male characters. I'm not really sure why. I guess because I just like exploring that end of things. And I have a lot of characters that I really love. But my favorite character ever was that standalone one game sci-fi game where I played Big Mac. <laughs> Big Mac. And he is a total vulgar butt-chasing bro with just awful womanizing jokes and just oh i don't know he was just a letter jacket football player yes and you know i could just kind of cut loose and just dive into that stereotype and just come up with some of the worst innuendos and just bad behavior and it was really fun to cut loose and do that and let me just tell you as the game master for that now if there was an actual player who was playing a character like that they would probably get kicked off out of the table like because it was like it was offensive if it wasn't so funny because it was you and for those who don't know Gretchen okay you're a little lady you're I'm not a little a, I'm a little woman you're a little woman you're not <laughs> you're a small little slender lady and so just to have like you're playing this jock bro who's super <laughs> vulgar and offensive and you're also you know you have like feminist and inclusive ideas and you're playing this character which is just the antithesis of that i know i think it just made it so fun because you know when you're subjected to so many years of being on the uh, butt end of bro behavior you just kind of pick up some stuff and i just pulled it all together in a big pile of bro crap and rolled with it and it was fun that's nice. Yeah, I've had some other really good characters that I've enjoyed playing here and there, more serious characters. I played a character whose nickname was Ditto, and the reason why it was called Ditto is because he was like everyone else. Like, he would, he had no true identity. He grew up in a family that was kind of evil. They were like, in D&D, &D, it was a D&D &D character, they would be considered lawful evil. So they were the kind of people that use the law and power to sort of manipulate and crush people. And he found his own way out by sort of imitating all those around him who he thought were good. So he would take on these personas and it was a fun character to play because the character could be a different character on many occasions. Like I could play, you know, a wizard. Sometimes I would play a rogue wizard who would, you know, be a, a sage-like character who would offer advice and stuff like that on the one hand. And then I would play a sort of sneaky rogue-like character who would be hiding in the shadows and passing along secret information. And, that the, you know, great concept. and it was really fun. And so he was a thief wizard. So he had, and, and he had illusionary powers. Mm. So he could always manipulate his form. No one ever saw what he really looked like. It was always, he was always manipulated. And as a role player, it was really fun because I could just take on different characters depending on the session. It was a lot of fun. The game that I played him in, though, was a really terrible game. It was a bad, bad game. The, the players were fun, but the game master was terrible. So it ended up kind of ending badly, and it was, yeah, you know. So it just ended up being where he's not my favorite character because the game just really sort of let him down, I guess you could say. But um, but that was a lot of fun to play, and uh, and you know there's been lots of characters that I've you had know, fun another playing. Another one that I really like, and I can't remember his name right now because I'm an exhausted parent. 
was my newsy kid in the Cthulhu game. Oh, right. What was that character's name? I don't know, but my favorite thing about this kid is how fast he could talk. Because once he started rolling, I just, I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. I was like this hyperactive kid that just kept going. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all I could do was sit there and talk. And I had to be annoying because you know what? Everyone's got to listen to me because I have very important things to say. And if you don't listen to me, things are going to go wrong. And I'm not the one that's going into that dark room. You're going to be the one that's going <laughs> in that dark room. Because even though I'm just a kid, doesn't mean I'm a stupid kid. That was a lot of fun, too, because so this game of Call of Cthulhu was set in the 1930s. And so the characters were 1930s archetypes. And my character was the newspaper reporter. The, the brooding newsman. Right? And your character was the newsie on the corner selling the paper. Which and we our... didn't actually plan. It just happened. No, but we ended up then deciding that our characters would be like friends. And I was using you as a source from gathering information mm -hmm. on the streets. And so you you just, in the very first session, you just started calling me boss. You never <laughs> called my, me by my actual name in the game. You just called my character boss. And you and I had some really fun back and forth yeah. interplay in that and that kind of i mean those are just the moments of that's what makes gaming great right yeah. it's those moments where you just have this character and it's no longer words on a paper it becomes like a living breathing thing like it's like it's as alive and realistic as you know somebody you meet out on the street because they just have that personality and that's a lot of fun so yeah, that's great, Gretchen. I, 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 I love Big Mac, and maybe we'll get back to that game at some point, and we'll see what Big Mac is I like. I mean, okay, look, I have a lot of new stuff to use for him. It's been a few, it's been some busy years, so I got a whole I think new... this might have been pre-grab him by the time, wasn't it? I don't think so. Oh, no, so this is post. This is after we had heard those recordings. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure I, I got a lot more. Oh to man, use. well. Oi. Yeah. We're gonna have to censor that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, if you've got your favorite characters, please send them in. We'd love to hear your stories about your favorite characters, and you can send those to RPGs and babymakes3 at gmail.com. You can also comment on the Patreon pages where we post these up, and we'll be happy to take a look at them, and we'd love to read them on the air, and we'd love to hear from you, so. Yeah, let us know. I'd love to hear about their characters that are out there. I love hearing about people's favorite characters. It's just so much fun. So, so much fun. Well, that takes us to the end of another episode of RPGs and Baby Boys <sighs> 3. Oh, yeah, I know. Sorry, end. guys. Did anybody hear those screaming children that just ran by our door while we're recording? I hope so. I'll try to turn it up and see if people can hear that while while uh, we're recording. Because this. that is a part of parenthood. Yes, yeah, screaming children running by your doorway. We live in a very family-friendly neighborhood. And and for anyone who's listening and you're like, man, I don't have kids. I don't really want kids. But these two people are really entertaining. Let me let you in on a little <laughs> secret, okay? You know when you're at a store and a kid is screaming and you're like, why isn't the parent doing anything to stop that? It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to learn to tune it out or you will go crazy. So that's why they're not doing anything because they have learned to tune it out. Yeah, you just have to kind of go with the flow. Like you can't, little kids, I mean, especially very young kids, they don't, you can't just be like, 
shh, be quiet, honey. And they'll just be quiet. They don't understand. They just are emotions, you know? And that doesn't mean that you're being a bear parent when they're, you know, they're yelling, but you're right. It's like, it's as a parent, we just don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, you have to shut it out. It's funny too. You make sure they're okay, but you just, you, you put that curtain down. That's it. You know, it's funny, too, because we'll be, like, gaming sometimes. And, you know, we game after he goes to bed. And you'll hear our son crying in the other room. We got this video monitor. Check the video monitor, make sure he's okay. And you'll hear him crying for 10, 15 minutes. We're letting himself soothe. And it's just, but, like, you just be like, okay, I've checked on him, he's fine. And And it's like, just don't even pay attention to it. You just, like, move on. It's just, like, it is a survival mechanism kind of get used to that kind of thing and when you creepily watch him on that video monitor all that little red light starts bouncing up and down oh gosh right and you know what's interesting too is like those people those kids that just ran by the house and you could hear them screaming in excitement before we had a kid i'd be like what's wrong with those kids get out of my yard shut up get off my lawn and now that we have kids, I'm like, oh, man, these kids are having fun and they're excited. So it's just a totally different experience. And so, you know, our, our parents who are out there listening, you understand this, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure some of you probably still hate your kids. But, I mean, hopefully <laughs> not a ton of them are out there uh, not really enjoying parenthood. Because it is, while difficult, it's also incredibly rewarding. So It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Well, look, we're going to get out of here. Another episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3 should be out in the next couple of weeks. And we hope that you're checking out everything that we've got going on at the Patreon page. We've been posting up a lot of stuff like our 20 Tuesday lists of 20 different things. And hopefully you're finding that useful. We're putting up some bonus pods. In fact, this week we did the organized play conversation with Amanda Plagman and we're going to be putting up an extended version of our conversation because we ended up talking for another 20 or so minutes after that that we did record so we're going to put that out as a bonus pod if you're interested in hearing more of our conversation with Amanda and we're going to have her back on actually she's a good friend of ours and she's a great gamer and um, a lot of fun to play with too and so we'll have her back on in the future and of course you can always send us your you know whatever you've got if you found something interesting during this conversation or some thoughts that you want to have or if you'd like to come on the show and talk about your experience of being a parent and a gamer or you've got some topics that you'd like to discuss with us on the show please hit us up at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you and potentially have you on the show as well so we appreciate your support yes thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we hope to see more of you or hear more of you or be a part of your lives and maybe I'll be getting some more sleep at some point in the next 18 years and we'll see how that goes Yeah, invite us into your home so that way we're not standing out on the street looking through your windows. Well, you just, that just, you just... Like I have time to stalk anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Just our kid. Talk to you in a couple weeks, y'all. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash RPGs and Baby Makes 3.